0: in the middle of what is a very very busy season for all of us i think these moments where he just deposits into us the story of the power of the birth of jesus and his life his death his resurrection and all that that means to us brings us back to the meaning of the christmas story For just a few minutes this morning, I want to talk to you about a, oh, come all ye faithful. I'd like if you would turn, please, to Matthew chapter 2. I want to read verses 1 through 8 and just share some simple truths that I believe will be important for us as we go through this season. Beginning with verse 1 through verse 8, the Scripture says... In Matthew chapter 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the peoples, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler who will be a shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and make careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Our Father and God, as we are reminded of a passage of scripture that has become very familiar to most of us through this Christmas season, what I ask is that You would remind us both of truths that we have known and perhaps enlighten our hearts to some new things that you desire of us this morning. Lord, we have just seen a magnificent description played out in a human video for us of the love of Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would grab hold of that. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The song, O Come by All Ye Faithful, was written by John Francis Wade probably in the 1700s, and there is one verse of that song that declares as we sing it together, O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. But I, I have to tell you this morning that not everybody that we know takes advantage of that invitation, to be sure. The Scripture indicates to us that after Jesus was born in Jerusalem, when Simeon, the, 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 the priest, was holding him, he recognized as his eyes of the Spirit were opened as he's holding Jesus that this was the promised child. And he said to Mary, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And he looked at her and he said, the thoughts of many will be revealed. The coming of Jesus and the life that he lives and our interaction with him is always revealing something within us. And we see that within this particular passage of Scripture that we read this morning. There are three different attitudes, or three different hearts that are represented in this passage. We recognize, first of all, as we look at Herod... Herod was an interesting guy, and I use that term very, very loosely because, first of all, he was a talented builder. While, while he was in charge, they built the second great temple, this magnificent structure of, of unbelievable architecture. It was the temple that was destroyed in 70 AD. We also know not only was he a builder, Herod was a liar. He perhaps was one of the best liars that we've ever seen in the history of mankind, and he states to those who are seeking Jesus, When you find that baby, would you please come and tell me where he is so that I might come and worship him, knowing full well in his heart as he spoke those words that he was seeking the competitor to the term king and wanted to do away with him. He was also a murderer. He murdered one of his wives and two of his sons, and here he is threatened by the birth of Jesus, He wants to be king, and he loves hearing people call him king. And so any Jew that would be born that might threaten having everybody call him that, he was going to address, and he wanted to kill him. Also indicates to us that he was a paranoid maniac. That's just what you want to put on your Christmas cards when he finds out that the magi that he had addressed and had instructed for them to find Jesus and come back to him, when he found out that they were not coming back to him, he began to devise a plan, By he knew where they were going to go. So what he did is he said, Listen, take every male child that's under two years old and kill them all, because I hope that in doing that I will have removed this threat to my kingship and to my authority. Two years later, he dies. And I am certain that to the very moment he died and all that time, he thought he was in charge. The first heart that is represented within this is Herod's heart. It's a hard heart. He represents a very hard and calloused individual. He was in charge, he thought. He didn't think that he himself was going to be subject to to the power of a babe that was born in Bethlehem, who was the son of God. And Herod dies with this rebellious heart. Only after he died did he find out that he never was in charge, but that there was another. The other day I was in Target. I probably passed a bunch of you as you were there as with me. I was following a mother that had about a two-year-old boy, and She's pushing this stroller. I don't know if the stores provide it or not, but it's one of those where the little boy sits in and he thinks he's in a race car. And there's the steering wheel. I could tell as I was following them that this boy was a frequent customer of Target because he knew where the toy aisle was. And as the mother is pushing her son, you could tell she's distracted by other things and when they get to the toil aisle that boy grabs his steering wheel and yanks it trying to turn right to go up the toil I mean he's working the steering wheel and the mother just ignores him and begins to push on and he's he's motioning and yanking his steering wheel. And, I, and I stopped and I just started laughing the first thing came to my mind: what a great sermon illustration Because this little boy was convinced that his steering wheel was hooked to something. But it was attached to nothing that really mattered. And honestly, there, there are so many people in our world today that think that they are in charge of their life. And they think that I'm grabbing the steering wheel and I'm yanking it and I'm determining the direction of my life. I don't want a king. I don't want anybody to challenge me for who's going to be in charge of my life and this birth of this baby. And Herod's life with his heart became one that he thought would make him look bad. He didn't want other people worshiping another king. He thought they should be worshiping me, and he wasn't in charge at all. And he died with a rebellious heart. And I thought about that, and I said, Could there be somebody here today who, as you approach this Christmas weekend, might be sitting here, and your heart is hard? Maybe you've been invited by a friend or maybe you're here and the Holy Spirit is just beginning to knock on the door of your heart. But you have been in rebellion. You have been determined that you were going to grab the steering wheel of your life. And you are going to determine the direction not knowing that there is a king that is in charge of all. Because if that represents you today that I pray that God will begin to soften your heart and that you will yield to him. There's another heart that's represented in this story. It's the indifferent heart. This is represented by the scribes and the high priests that were called together. They were the scholars. These men knew that Jesus was to be born. They knew where he was to be born. They they knew the law and the scriptures. They had the responsibility, in fact, for copying the manuscripts of this. They probably had, had written it into different languages, so they were quite familiar with all of it. But the more they knew, the less they cared The more they learned of Jesus, the less they seemed to respond. And they weren't willing to make the five-mile trip from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to check out what God had apparently revealed to them and what he had revealed to the Magi, that the Christ child was there. And so they represent an indifferent heart. You see, they represent the person who has heard it all. They represent the person who's been through it all. They can recite it all. They can tell you what the scriptures say, but somehow the truth of it has never seeped into their life. And every one of us has come in contact with people like that. Don't tell me what the Bible says. I know what the Bible says. But they've allowed their heart to shut down and turn away everything else. Could it be that somebody today who is listening or who is here this morning, you might be saying to yourself, I've become somebody who's so indifferent to the presence of the Lord. I'm into myself, and I'm into the things that matter to me, but as it comes to the things of Christ, I'm just, I'm just finding myself more and more indifferent. Not necessarily antagonistic to the things of God. You just find yourself that you just don't care anymore. You've seen it all. You've heard it all. You know the scriptures, but it just doesn't seem to reach you anymore. As I was thinking about that, I thought, if you could see what I see from here, there are times when indifference to me looks like people who are playing games on their cell phone during church. I've seen the interaction between people and the laughing and the stuff, and I've often wondered, hmm, interesting. There's others that pull their phone out and they read emails and they're sending texts back and forth when, in the middle of The Lord trying to speak to their hearts, and some of you even today may be surfing the internet. By the way, if you're on Amazon.com, they will not get your package here in time. But you see, the indifferent heart is the one that is here but doesn't hear. You're present, but the heart has not been open to what the Spirit of the Lord would say to you. Then there's the third kind of heart that's represented here, and that's the seeking heart. The seeking heart is represented by the magi. They are called wise men. If you were to do a study on them, these were the most promising minds in their lands. They were the brain trust. They knew something about astrology. They were into agriculture. They were in the leadership administration of their countries. They were the best, apparently, the... Any of these lands or countries had to offer, and they were the ones who now are coming to seek Jesus. They are the ones who have a seeking heart. And they probably came in a whole caravan because of the, the titles that they held and the authority. You know, we we see them three of them coming together on camels. The likelihood of that is is low because probably they came with people that attended them. Which is why Herod was intimidated. When they all show up as a caravan and the brightest minds of their lands are coming to visit him and they stop at his temple, at his house, at his castle, and they say to him, we are here to find this newborn king. And he sees this caravan of people and he instantly becomes defensive. As you begin to look at that, you begin to recognize that they were willing to overcome barriers to get to Jesus. And I hope that they represent what our hearts are like today. By the way, as you look at Scripture, you're going to note something, that the star led them to Jerusalem and then disappeared for a while, and it was there that they began to search the Scriptures. The Scriptures were opened, and then Bethlehem was revealed, and as they turned to go and follow into Bethlehem, the star reappears for them. I find that interesting because here's what I've noted. God does not bypass His Word in giving people guidance. God will never bypass His Word and giving people guidance. Pastor Erwin Lutzer, I was reading a, a story that he had re- an article that he had recently uh, written, and, and he was talking about a young man who had attended his church in Chicago who was born a Muslim in Jerusalem, of all places. And the pastor asked him how he had become a follower of Christ. And the young man told him, It all started when I had a dream about Jesus. He said, It was so real and so profound to me as I was sleeping that when I woke up, I couldn't move. I literally was laying in my bed recognizing that Jesus had just revealed himself to me, and it was against my culture's religion, and I didn't know what to do, and it wasn't until I recognized Jesus as the Son of God and said to him, since you have revealed yourself to me, I will follow your word and pursue what you are like. That instantly strength was given back to my body. And I was able to get up. He said, okay, Jesus, if you're God, I'll acknowledge that. And as he got up out of bed, he came to those that he knew were followers of Christ. And he asked them if they would open the New Testament and begin to teach him. And it was through the teaching that he got from the word of God that he became a Christian. And I thought, notice this, even in the dreams that God gives to reveal himself to those who may be far away, he does not bypass his word. Shortly after he had that conversation with a young man, he was talking to some people that were in his church from Iraq and a man who visits there often. And this man said, in my country, there are literally thousands of Muslims that are coming to Jesus Christ right now. And when he asked them, how is this happening? He said, it's an amazing thing. He says, literally, people are waking up with the same story. I was asleep and I had a dream. And in my dream, Jesus showed up, and we had a conversation. And when I woke up, he told me to follow his word, and that as I would get into his word, that he would reveal himself to me. And he says, even in close countries, the dreams that Jesus are giving people are leading them to his word. There was a Christian businessman that was working in a Muslim country, and he was there on business, and as he was walking on the sidewalk to go to a meeting that he was supposed to be at, he got into a crowd of people. The light had held them. The traffic was coming, and as he's standing there, a woman tapped him on the shoulder and said, Are you the American? And he said, Well, I am an American. She goes, Good. Please tell me about Jesus. And he stood there and he looked at her and he began to realize that his meeting wasn't nearly as important as this interruption and so they went and they had coffee together and he began to ask her questions. Why, why did you stop me and tap me on the shoulder? She goes, oh, I had a dream. I had a dream last night and the Lord told me as he revealed Jesus to me that if I wanted to know more that there was going to be a man that had a Bible that was going to be on this street corner at this very moment and I was to tap him on the shoulder and ask, are you the American and that you would tell me about Jesus? Our missionaries that are working with our refugees from around the world have on more than one occasion begin to share with us stories and there there are things that they share with us that we are not allowed to kind of publicly confess but I can tell you that Some of the refugees that have come uh, from boats and some that have come from countries have seen the faces of our missionaries and said, you're the one. We saw your face in a dream and we were told to come to you because you had a word that would change our life as God prepared them before they ever went. But notice in all of this that God never bypasses his word. He always directs people to his word because it's through his word that we come to understand the transforming power of the word of God. So the star takes them to Jerusalem and Jerusalem takes them to the scriptures and the scriptures are open and they discover Bethlehem as the place and they begin to go to Bethlehem and the star reappears. And as we look at their lives, we recognize that these unbelievably talented and smart men had to overcome barriers. The first one was the barrier of distance. Many believe that these men came from Persia, which is about a thousand miles away. So it probably made their journey was better part of a year. And so you can see that when they stopped and, asked Herod when the, and Herod asked them when the star appeared, he was calculating in his mind how old those little boys were going to be that he would have to kill in order to make sure that he captured that whole group. So because it was two years and younger, we understand that this took them a long time to get there. And so they come to the house After being willing to travel thousands of miles and primarily traveling at night so that they could follow the direction of a star, that could not have been easy. And the energy that they expended and the months to check Jesus out because they were going to overcome the barrier of distance. They also overcame the barrier of race and religion. I want to put those both together for these purposes because they were Persian. Persia has its own religion. It was a form of occultism, to be sure, and they could have said to themselves, listen, we were born Persians. We were raised Persians. If the Persian uh, occultic gods were good enough for my mom and dad and my grandparents, it's good enough for me. I do not need to go and seek something else because this is the way I was born, this is the way I was raised, and this is the way I will always be. And today, there could be some sitting here who said, you know what, I was raised in such a way that having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ was not a big deal. There's a church Then we're saved through the church. I was raised this way. I've always been this way. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to die this way. And today I want you to know, oh, please open your heart to seek the King of Kings. Frankly, you look at all of us that have come to know the Lord, and if we're not Jewish, then we've come from a different background a different culture, a different religion. And all of these are stumbling blocks to people in believing that Jesus is who he said he is. And I would encourage you to look at these wise men who said, if truth is true, I will seek it out everywhere I can find it. So please don't allow your religion or your background or your traditions to keep you from Jesus and the prejudices that you may have against the Christ child. Let them fall by the wayside and so with a seeking heart you can discover him to be all he says he is and more. So they overcame distance and race and religion. They also overcame the pride. Because the scripture says that when they saw the child they fell down and worshiped him. Now here's what I'd like you to picture. Jesus by now is probably around one, maybe just a little bit older. And if you've ever seen a one-year-old walk, it's quite hilarious. (laughs) Jesus is likely hanging on to tables and moving from tables to chairs and, and he's staggering around and he probably falls down and his mother runs over and lifts him and these wise men, the brightest of their countries come walking in and they see this toddler who's struggling to stand up and instantly their pride disappears and they fall down on their faces because there's a power associated with him his very being is emanating the power of almighty god and in recognition they fall before this baby say our pride our position our education means nothing because we have found him the king and overcoming their pride they knelt and worshipped and they overcame their selfishness. You'll notice that the text tells us that they opened treasures. They began to share with Jesus and his family the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and gold was fitting for a king. The kingship of Jesus was recognized. Frankincense was recognizing his priesthood and myrrh, his sacrifice. And could it be that these three brilliant men, the wise men with a seeking heart, were recognizing in Jesus, this one-year-old, what he would become. The prophet, the priest, and the king. It almost takes your breath away when you look at that. And as the worship team comes this morning, I want to ask you this question. What kind of response does Jesus elicit in you? Is it a response of indifference? You know, Pastor, I've been to Christmas services for so many years that there's nothing you can say I haven't heard before. Well, I know. I'm just reminding you that there's something special about the one whom we worship. Is your response one of rebellion? Maybe you were here today, my family's all here, and so their Christmas wish was that I would come with them to church, so I'm here, but believe me, my heart is not. And maybe you find yourself in rebellion today my prayer is that the very presence of the Lord might begin to soften and that somehow these brilliant magi that overcame so much with seeking hearts to find him that your heart might resemble theirs today maybe you're here today and you're troubled by the fact that people have told you that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven and you're struggling with that You know, you're thinking, how can there be only one way to approach him? Because the Bible says that Jesus is the one mediator between God and man. He's the one. There is no other. So may I encourage you today that if you were in a place of rebellion or indifference, that you would simply open your heart to the claims of Jesus. because we saw so wonderfully demonstrated in Him, human video, the power of of the one who was born among us, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that today might be a day that you would say, I yield myself to you. I'm going to ask that you would stand with me. And the worship team is going to lead us in singing, O oh, come, all ye faithful. And while we sing, won't you examine your heart in the presence of the King?
1: Joyful and try
0: Our usher our, our altar workers if they would please make their way to the front i recognize that maybe you're here today and this is the day the lord is knocking on the door of your heart or maybe you're here and there are some issues going on in your family and your life that you just need somebody to pray with you about we certainly want you to understand that we believe in god answering prayer If you're here today and your heart has been hardened but you're feeling God tugging, would you yield to that today? If you've been living a life of indifference and you just, you know what, I just don't care anymore, would you open your heart to letting God reignite the flame of the passion of your love for Him today? And if you have a seeking heart already, would you bring people with you on the journey? Would you gather them up, join together, encouraging one another in what Christ is doing?